to Women Worth Knowing, the radio program and podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. There are so many Christian women with fascinating stories, whether missionaries, musicians, reformers, authors, and wives and mothers. Their examples are inspirational to us all. But I have to add to this that our woman today, Clara Brown, I mean, could we add former slaves and pioneer women? This is what I love, too. This story came about from a book that you ran into, Cheryl, and that this author started the journey to learn about Clara by seeing a plaque That's right. on the church, the first Methodist church in Denver, That's which right. we talked about in episode one. So right. beautiful listeners, if you haven't heard it, go back to episode one. And just that plaque, well, who was this woman? That's right. Why did they put a plaque there? Yes, who contributed so much financially, this woman, to the the church. But the fact that her story was available for this author right. to discover, right. and we will put in the show notes the title of this book. Right. You, but you want, the want way, you know, more, and yeah. one of my favorite things is when I read a book is to check the bibliography. Mm-hmm. Where did she get right. her resources? Right. And the author got her resources from the um, Pioneer Association of Colorado. They had Clara's story. And so that's where a lot of this information comes. So where we left Clara is she had, as Robin mentioned, she was a free, freed slave. And she had moved at 59 years old by way of a wagon train from Kentucky to Colorado on a quest to find her daughter, her daughter Eliza Jane, the only surviving member of her family mm. who she hadn't seen in 22 years. And she felt that being in a gold rush city would probably be the place where she could get the most information. Mm -hmm. But now the gold rush fever or fervor has moved from Denver, which was a pretty, um, what do I want to say, sophisticated or calm or established city to Central City, which was the wild West. So, so, and this is 1860s, early. Yes, 1860s. yes, yes. This is like 1862. Yeah. This is before the Civil War. And so she moves to Central City. And there are mines just in the hills all around mm-hmm. Central City. And so you can hear dynamite 24 mm. hours a day. Doesn't matter what day of the week. They're, they're dynamiting in these mines looking for gold. And silver, too. Right, big right. Big deposits there, too. Right. And... Almost everybody in town carries guns. Mm-hmm. And when they get drunk, they shoot their guns. Yep. Now, not only is Clara in this dangerous place, but she's the laundress for all these dangerous <laughs> men. For the blood-stained That's clothes right. that come her way. So she's, she's the laundress. Now, when she did laundry on the wagon train, when she was the laundress in Denver, she had to work with a lot of white shirts. And it was really difficult to get stains out of the white shirts. Well, now she's kind of excited because the miners wear red and blue flannel shirts, and it's much easier. Uh, she, <laughs> those spots. Right. She doesn't have to blue them. So she rents a two-bedroom house in Central City that she'll later buy, and she sets up her laundry business. Now, I want to remind Uh, the listeners, what was involved in this process. She has two huge tubs, wood fire, buckets, a boiler tank, a washboard, lye soap, water, um, a knife, clothespins, clothesline, and a flat top stove and an iron. 
and the big pole. That's right, the big pole. Put the which, line right. That, yep, that she had placed not too far from her house, mm. and she had to run that rope across. Clara Wood Hall, listen to this. Now, remember, she's in her 60s, mm-hmm. so I'm feeling this. So are you, Robin, <laughs> yes, right? I You're am. feeling this. Clara Wood Hall, 12 buckets of water to her house to fill those tubs, the two tubs. Oh. She would then slice lye soap into one tub with the heated water. Once the water was soapy, she would add the shirts. Then she would take the shirts out one at a time, rubbing each shirt until every stain was out. Then she would rinse that same shirt in the rinsing tub. Then she would wring the shirt by hand, twisting it, before hanging it on the clothesline. And she did each shirt separately. Then when the shirts were almost dry, because you didn't want them to dry all the way, because if they dried all the way, you couldn't get the wrinkles out. So they had to be slightly damp. She would take them over to her stove, her flat stove, and she would iron them because, you know, the way to do an iron, you're not plugging anything in. You're setting the iron on the hottest part of the stove and then you're ironing over the, the flat part. Then she would fold them, put them in a basket. She would put them on her head. And when she was, she would use the time of delivering them as her time of singing hymns and praises to the Lord. (laughs) So you knew Clara was coming with your clean clothes because you could hear her singing. Now, there's a story of one lawyer who was really, really depressed. And he heard her singing and he said, you know, what have you got to be happy about? Mm -hmm. And she said, Jesus. And she began to give him the gospel. He's like a white guy, right? He gets saved Uh and he ends up helping her establish, get this, the first congregational church of Central City. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And again, she's a huge contributor to this. Well, her laundry business is so successful. And she takes the money and she not only invests in the church, but she also invests it in um, some of these mines because the miners are uh, so happy because of their clean shirts. They fall in love with Claire, of course. She's also feeding people again. As Yes, of course. Clara's way is. They love Clara. So some give them give her an interest in their minds. And other times wow. they allow her to buy in. So she starts, when they get a haul, she starts getting money. And so she at one point was the richest woman in Colorado. That's and she had a savings of $10,000. What? Mm-hmm. But this is Clara. This is not going to last long with Clara. You know why? Because she cares too much about people, and she's on a quest to find her daughter, and she wants to help establish the church. She did not amass money to keep it or make her life easier. She amassed money so she could help others. While in Central City, Clara's house was kind of known as the makeshift hospital. People would come there, and she would set their bones. She would use herbal remedies that her mother had taught her. And she not only did that, but she was called on to deliver quite a few babies during her time in Central City. She also allowed men in need of work, especially the freed slaves, to come and stay at her house where she would feed them and help them till they could get jobs and get on their feet. And that's how she met a man named Barney. Now, Barney was just this colorful uh, man who had escaped slavery, right? And he did it, the way he escaped it is just hilarious. He was on um, a steamboat with his master and he dressed up like one of the showgirls who was doing the entertainment no. and then went off the boat with him and then made his way out to Colorado. 
So she says to him, have you seen Eliza Jane? And she's talking about this. And he said, no. And she said, I want to go back to Kentucky and start my search all over again because I haven't gotten any information. So he says, Clara, you can't. War is about to break out. There is such huge Mm -hmm. tension there. Just wait. This new president, Abraham Lincoln, let's see what he can do. Mm -hmm. So Clara, of course, begins to pray for Abraham Lincoln and everything that's going on. She was so excited at the end of the Civil War and loved Abraham Lincoln. And she said that the whole city, Central City, grieved, cried, even fainted Mm. when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. They took it um, so to heart because they had seen him as their hero. He was going to help them. Yet in 1865, after... uh, the ratifying of the 13th Amendment, Barney said it's safe to go back. So Clara heads back for Kentucky, and she stays with Mary Prue, one of the young women who gave her her freedom, and she helped raise. So Mary Prue says, oh, you're staying at my house. So Mary Prue sets out to help Eliza Jane. Interestingly enough, Eliza Jane went back to Kentucky on a stagecoach, and it was her First time riding in a stagecoach. Okay, wait, wait. So Eliza Jane, who had the last... I'm sorry. Clara goes back on a stagecoach. Oh, my goodness. I got that mixed up. On her search for her daughter, On her search for her daughter, Eliza Jane. She hasn't seen in Mm -hmm. well over 20 years. Right. And she stays with Mary Prue. What she heard was Mm -hmm. that Eliza Jane was in Colorado, which is what led her there. So now she's going back to start her search all The Covingtons. A family called the Covingtons were in Colorado. There we go. But they were not the right Covingtons. Oh. So now she goes there. Well, she gets news that she might be in Gallatin, Tennessee. So how did she go back to Kentucky this time? Do you have that in your notes? That's the stagecoach. Again? Yeah. I mean, mean, sorry, not again. She was was on the the wagon train the first time. So she goes to Russellville, Kentucky, Mm -hmm. stays with Mary Prue. Mary Prue helps her in this quest. So they get news that there's a family Name the Covington. So this is what she's going on. Yeah. A family named the Covington. So she goes to Gallatin, Tennessee. And as she's there, she's overcome by the plight of the free slaves looking for work. Mm-hmm. And she dropped her knees and prayed right then and there, Lord, how am I supposed to help these freed slaves? Because mm-hmm. now they're free, but they have no jobs. Um, their plight is they don't want to go back, you know, working for, yeah. you know, these plantations at all. Yeah. And so... Right then and there, the Lord inspires her with a way to help them. Again, she's got money. So she gathers up all the freed slaves that she learns about that don't have family. There are 25 of them. And she takes them back to Central City with her. And she says, you're now my family. Really? And she stays in Central City till she finds them all jobs and homes. And she helps with that. But when she went back to Central City... She booked passage for them. This is 1866 on a wagon train for all 25 of them. Go back on this uh, wagon train to Colorado. She's like, with her new family. If I can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Bis- biscuits in the morning. Oh, Now get ready for tragedy. No. Yeah, I know. So um, <sighs> after securing jobs for all of them, she also puts an advertisement offering a $1,000 reward for any information on Eliza Jane. Wow. And she puts it in all the newspapers that she can in the North and in the South because none of her leads have panned out. And she's desperate to find 
her daughter. Well, and to put it in perspective with the money, because we, I do remember when I was doing um, Harriet Beecher Stowe, so $10,000, that was equivalent to what someone on the East Coast who owned and ran a steel mill, that would be an annual Mm-hmm. salary for someone at that level, the, the the rich magnets that were developing all mm-hmm. this new industry. So $10,000, even though she's, here's Clara giving it away right and left, but to then just offer $1,000, did she like just for information. target on her back? Nope. Doing that? Oh. Nope. No, she was, mm. she was too loved in Central City too, even with uh. those rough guys. In 1873, a fire broke out though in Central City. Mm. And it burned down many of the houses Clara owned. So Clara had also begun to buy houses. And she had put many of the families in those houses that mm-hmm. she owned. And the majority of them burned down, ex- with the exception of the house that she lived in. Oh. That was one of the few. Oh. So she lost all that money when her houses burned down. And that was, you know, a significant income. Oh. Plus, many of the mines that she'd invested in um, closed down. Sure. You know, they right were up. tapped out. Yep. Then she heard in 1878 about a scam used against the freed blacks, offering them land jobs in houses in Kansas. And many of those families um, moved, you know, took up stakes and moved out to Kansas to find out there was nothing. It was a scam. All their money was gone and there was nothing. And this is something that you don't read about, but 50 people a day were dying of starvation in Kansas because Mm. of that scam. So Clara collected her money, went by train to help the needy. Now, Mm. remember, she's 78 at this time, 78 years old. She stayed there for two years Mm. until the crisis was over, Mm. finding jobs, helping, feeding, doing whatever she could to, you know, help these people. Then she returned to Central City and she didn't look very well. So... They had this doctor who absolutely adored her, look at her. And she tried to pay him. And he's like, Clara, I am not taking any money from you. Mm-hmm. And she was diagnosed with dropsy or heart failure. Mm-hmm. Her heart was beginning to fail. She was broke, having lost houses to fire and losing um, other property to a flood that happened, the Cherry Creek flood. And finally, by helping so many free slaves. So now she's 80 years old. She has no money. And she's never found her daughter. And she's dying. So a friend named Emily Lee found out about her financial situation. And she petitioned. um, She wrote out a petition. It ended up going all the way to the mayor of Central City to get Clara a cottage. And so the whole town pitched in. And they bought Clara Cottage, 607 Arapaho Street. And she would live there for the rest of her life. And her friend Henry, remember Henry Reitz, her boss at the bakery? He also, um, he's the one who found her the doctor. I think it would be Arapaho, which is what Indian from Colorado. Arapaho. That shows you my, how, how... how good I am at um, well, maybe that's Native American language. It, that, right. Yes. That it makes so much more sense than even that in her, her choice to go back there, that there are a lot of people who know her, remember her. So that's that right. There was all that love and support. That's right. Like now, it's a, it's a wonderful life. It's our turn to give back to you, Clara. That's right. Beautiful. Well, also, 
they began to collect a roster of the women who had been there um, since before the Civil War, the pioneer women that had come out and started from the ground up. And somebody said, well, Clara. And they said, oh, absolutely, Clara. So stories. Right. That's good. The society said, we've got to induct Clara. Mm -hmm. So Clara was officially inducted into the Colorado Pioneer Society. Nice. And given a pension. So now she has a monthly pension that she can easily survive on. And she lives in her little cottage and she's there and she's praying and she's praising, but she can't do the laundry business. She's too weak now. Mm -hmm. And um, she knows her life is ebbing. It's, you know, almost over, but she's still praising her Jesus. She makes it to church um, every Sunday. She's prayed all these years Mm -hmm. to see her daughter. I know. But she gets a letter in the mail, oh, oh. and it says this. Oh. Dearest Clara, I was in the post office when I ran into a woman by the name of Mrs. Brewer. Then I heard the clerk address her as Eliza Jane. Well, honey, <laughs> you know I just had to ask. Yes, Mrs. Brewer had been in Kentucky. Yes, she remembered getting dressed up and sold. No, she couldn't remember her mother's name. It was just Mammy. (laughs) Yes, she was with a family named Covington for 20 years. Mm -hmm. She married a slave named Jeb from a neighboring farm, and they had nine children. Well, when I asked about a sister that drowned, she started crying right there in the post office. She doesn't have money to come to Colorado, but she is desperate to see you. She thought you had died in slavery long ago. My dear friend, I am so happy for you. Sincerely and affectionately, Becky. Clara, who was so sick and dying, suddenly revived. Yes, she did. And with the help of her friends, they all collected. They put in a collection. They bought her a train ticket to Iowa because that's where... Eliza Jane was. And the train was and now in place? And yes. And they bought her new clothes. Oh, good. They bought her a whole new wardrobe. Like, oh, no, you're going to go see and your daughter. hat. I'm you're going to be sure. dressed right. Oh, yes, don't you, you know it? <laughs> and so Clara took the train all the way to Council Bluffs, Iowa. Yes. And at the train station, when she got out, <laughs> she saw a woman, an older woman, a grandma, with a huge smile. <laughs> was her husband, Richard's smile, Mm. spreading across her face. And Clara ran as fast as those 80-something-year-old legs could go and fell in the arms of Eliza Jane. They hugged each other tightly and for so long Mm. and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. Mm. Then Eliza took Clara to meet her own children and grandchildren. Oh, wow. And then Eliza Jane said, I'm not leaving you now that I've found you. So she returned to Colorado with Clara. She did. Yes, she did. And for the next three years, the last three years of Clara's life, they were never separated. Wow. Eliza Jane stayed so close to her mother and lived in that little cottage Mm -hmm. with her mother. 
Clara would testify, When I was a girl, I relied on His, the Lord's mercy, and He fetched me through. My blessed Lord was crucified. Think how He suffered. My little suffering was nothing, honey. And the Lord, He gave me the strength to bear up. I can't complain. On October 21st, 1885, Clara was in bed when she suddenly reached her arms toward the sky and cried out in absolute delight, Mammy! And with that, went to be with Jesus. Ugh. Now, her funeral, as you might imagine, was absolutely packed out, standing room only for Clara Brown. And it was packed with people of every color and social level. Her pallbearers were both black and white. Mm -hmm. There was a doctor, a builder, a barber, and a harness maker, just to name four of the eight men who wanted to carry Clara's coffin. And her favorite hymns were sung Mm -hmm. at her funeral. She is remembered by the Pioneer Society of um, Colorado, as well as what you mentioned, a plaque on the wall of the first Mm -hmm. Protestant church in Central City and one in the church in Denver. And the author of this book, she had gone to church, seen that plaque, and as we mentioned before, said, who is this woman? Who is this woman? And I say that because most of the women that we look at that have been you know, unnoticed or unregarded, Mm -hmm. we learn about them from plaques or because they meant something to someone at some time in history because of their love for God. Yes. Clara is, she becomes outstanding. Yes. Not because of what she suffered, but because of how she gave it all to God. And it becomes just the story of victory. I mean, it reminds me of the story of Joseph, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Joseph was sold mm-hmm. into slavery. And then, you know, he doesn't know if he's ever going to see his father or brothers again. And, you know, he receives news that his father is alive. He brings his father out to be with him. Yes. And when he sees his father, he, you know, takes his chariots and he rides out to his father and he, you know, throws his arms Raises, around his father. Yes, right. Yes. They fall on each other's necks uh, crying. And then Jacob goes to live with Joseph for the rest of his life. And so Clara, you know, the reunion. You know, so I'm at this book and I'm like going, is she ever going to see Eliza <laughs> Jane? You know, is there a happy ending? And, you know, when she gets dropsy and she's in her 80s and, you know, she's dying, you're like, all she oh, wanted was yeah. Eliza Jane. But you see how faithful the Lord was to it's his so little beautiful. saint, Clara so beautiful. Brown. And such a picture of what heaven will yes. be, those reunions after reunions. Reunion. Mm-hmm. So I'm so curious when she's... On her deathbed, before her last breath, and she's you said she's lifting her arms, and she cried out, Mammy, meaning she had a, probably a vision of her own mother. Right, that's what I think. To, to see that, that it's, it's just a full circle reunion from her experience of being reunited with Eliza Jane. Yes. And then now her moment. Her whole family. Yeah. Now her whole family. Yes. And you, and you think, 
this is so heaven is such an incredible reunion. Yeah. Just this reunion. And, you know, people often ask, you know, will I recognize, you know, my relatives? And I always go to First Corinthians 13 that says, you know, when um, everything becomes clear. Right. We will know even as we are known. And they were just gazing in a mirror dimly, but mm-hmm. then it'll just all we'll see face clear. to face. Won't it be fun? To just see all these relatives we didn't know we had and well, just what, talk about a family reunion. If, yes. And if if Clara is making biscuits in heaven, I'm getting in line. Me you too. coming with me? Me too. I'm, I'm there <laughs> at Gabriel's Cafe. <laughs> Gabriel's and, or if she's roasting coffee beans. Yes. Come on, let's get Ooh. the full. <laughs> and maybe even a lick skillet, right? <laughs> I think everything must be so good. Maybe she's in charge of the angel's robes, actually. <laughs> to get you know what nice they say. Clean. The least will be first and the first will be least. She's up there with Abraham. We're going to have to stand in the in the line. Okay, Cheryl, you were right. I love Clara. Oh, I knew it. What a woman. I knew you would. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. For more information on Robin, visit RobinGunn.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. Join us each week for a lively conversation as we explore the lives of well-known and not-so-well-known historical and contemporary Christian women. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at w wk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. Women Worth Knowing is a production of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.